Welcome to the sermon cast from King Road Church. It's our desire that God uses this message to bring you closer to Him. If you'd like to pray with someone, speak with one of our pastors, or if you're looking for more resources, please go to kingroad.ca, scroll down on the homepage, and fill out the Reach Out fillable. Thanks for joining us. Enjoy the message. If you have your Bible with you, would you turn with me to Psalm 13? We're going through Psalms this summer, so Psalm 13 we'll be studying in the next few minutes. Uh, before we do that, let me quickly pray, ask the Lord to direct our thoughts, prepare our hearts, equip, encourage, and challenge us. So would you join me as we do that? Father, thank you for your grace. Thank you that we can come together and worship you. And thank you that we were able to sing that you are our great God. You are salvation. You are rock. So we ask that as we learn from your word that your Holy Spirit will speak to me, to us, equip us, encourage us, and challenge us. And use this word for our good and your glory. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Psalm 13 uh, in your Bible. If you don't have it, you can power your Bible on and your phones follow along. We'll be walking through uh, the verses that we have I was driving with my daughters. I have two daughters, 13, uh, 13 years old and a six years old. She was up here with me uh, a couple minutes ago when we were singing. Uh, and, and one of the things that she always asks if we're going somewhere, uh, be because, you know, kids are so anxious to, to get to somewhere because they can't wait. And she's like, well, how long till we get there? Well, almost there. No, how long? Come on. Right? And she kept asking and asking, and you know the answer is going to be the same. It's almost there, almost there, almost there. There's that. Or I also go, you, you, you ever been to a doctor's office and you make an appointment for 10.30? How does that go for you, by the way? 10.30 means nothing. If you doctor here, I apologize if I'm doing this. But being a brown guy, I go by the time, okay? <laughs> I cannot. I should be the other way. I should be more laid back, but I cannot be because 10.30 means 10.30. If it's minute over, I'm like, hey, it's 10.31. What's going on? So five minutes later, I go to the reception. Hey, how long till I see the doctor? Oh, a couple minutes. And it's 10 minutes, 15 minutes. I go back again. Oh, my appointment was at 10.30. How long? And <laughs> they, they sometimes they probably find me annoying. Who is this guy? Right? So anyway, that, that's the kind of nature we, we have in us. How long is the question that we all have? How long must I quarantine? How long till I cross the border and get cheap gas? <laughs> right? You all do that. Sumas border is right there. You've done that. You want to do that. How long can the, till the life, life will be normal? These are normal questions for all of us because we're going through the season of life. And, and that's what we see in this psalm here. And this particular psalm, Psalm 13, teaches us something along that line that it is okay to come to God with your questions. There's something beautiful in, in the relationship with God, with one another, that we can be honest with God and with each other, but particularly in a relationship with God, that you can come as you are and ask these questions. How long? And that's what we see. So turn with me. Uh, but before we do that, I want you to know, if, you, if you're taking notes, 
There'll be three things we're learning. Number one, David's cry, sorry, David's condition, David's cry, and David's comfort in God. David's condition, David's cry, and David's comfort in God. So verses one and two, David's condition. How long, Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I wrestle with my thoughts and day after day have sorrow in my heart? How long will my enemy triumph over me? You read these words, you're like, here's a man after God's own heart. He's struggling. And he's like, how long? The man is full of anguish and sorrow. Just think for a minute, a shepherd boy who killed a giant Goliath, now he's running for his life. A man who was a toast of the nations at one point, now he's a fugitive hiding for his life. An insecure King Saul chasing him. And you, you, you wonder why, why was they, a Saul chasing David? Well, the answer is found in 1 Samuel 18, verses 7 to 9. Because this is when, uh, after killing the Philistines, they're coming back and the women are singing this. And 1 Samuel 18, 7 to 9 answer the question, why was Saul jealous? It says, Saul has slain his thousands. And David his tens of thousands. Saul was very angry. This refrain displeased him greatly. They, they were credited David with tens of thousands, he thought, but me with only thousands? What more can he get but the kingdom? And from that time on, Saul kept a close eye on David. Thus, David is running for his life. And not only that, David was also basically lost his own family. On top of that, he's blamed for hundreds of women and children that were, that were killed. You can see that in 1 Samuel chapter 30 as well. And he's blamed for that. And, and we, we, we think he's probably in depression. And he's just like, man, I, I lost all of that. I lost my own family. And on top of that, I'm being blamed for all of these women and children who are killed. And out of desperation, he cries out these words. How long, Lord? And we do know that David is feeling rejected, forgotten, defeated, hopeless, helpless. And out of that pain, out of that anguish, he cries out these words. How long, Lord, will you forget me forever? I know a refugee couple who used to be here. They moved to uh, Toronto now. But husband and wife from Syria, they, they moved here, but they, they, they couldn't bring their children with them. So they're 6, 8, and 11 years old, three kids. Imagine leaving your children behind and FaceTiming with them. And I remember one time I was sitting with them. We're having coffee uh, at, at the house, and, and the mom was showing me the pictures. Like, hey, this is my daughter, 6 years old. I have 6 years old daughter. Many of you have. Oh, grandkids, you, you, you know what is it like. And, and you could see the tears in mom's eyes. She's like, sometimes my kids probably think that we forgot about them. 
you experienced that? Or, or, or as a parent, you go pick up your kids every day and there's a routine. They know the mom and dad will be here. You ever late picking up your kids? What comes out of their mouth out of frustration? What, did you forget us? That, 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 that's normal. Home Alone is the movie we all watch at Christmas religiously, right? Do you know what happens in that movie? Home Alone. They forget their child. I hope you don't do that. But what happens in the movie? You know that. The child is left behind. The feeling is not something happy. You left behind. You got rejected. They're abandoned. Like, guys, I'm part of the family. What happened? That's what David is feeling. He's feeling rejected. He's feeling abandoned, forgotten. And that's why he's like, how long? But God of the Bible assures us that we will not be forgotten by him because he is the creator God. Turn with me to Isaiah. Isaiah 49 verse 15 says this. Can a mother forget the baby at her breast and have no compassion on the child she has born? Though she may forget, I will not forget you. Do you get that? God assures his people that he will always, always be with us. And he promised that. Read the Gospels. His Holy Spirit is with us no matter what is going on in our life. Story of Hannah. In 1 Samuel, we see that. Hannah is feeling rejected, perhaps abandoned by God. Because her rival has children and she longs to have children, but every year she gets disappointed and she cannot. And she cries out to perhaps, how long, God? My rival is mocking me because she has kids and I don't. And if you read the verses, 1 Samuel chapter 1, verse 6 to 8, says this. Because the Lord had closed Hannah's womb. God is sovereign. He allows these things. Sometimes it's harder, by the way, for us to understand. Because the Lord had closed Hannah's womb, her rival kept provoking her in order to irritate her. This went on year, year after year. Whenever Hannah went up to the house of the Lord, her rival provoked her till she wept and would not eat. Now, j just imagine the scene. Hannah is in dr distress. She's being provoked by her rival. And she's weeping here. And the husband comes along. What does he say? Hannah, why are you weeping? No, a wife would say, dude, don't you know why I'm weeping? Her husband, Elkanah, would say to her, Hannah, why are you weeping? Why don't you eat? What well, don't you know? I can't eat because she's mocking me. I, I want to experience what it's like to be a mother. Well, Hannah, what, why are you downhearted? Why don't you know that? What well, don't I mean more to you than ten sons? Yes, 
But there's something special about having this experience of being a mom. And on top of that, I don't want to hear this from my rival ever again because it destroys me every single year. Not only that, every single day. It's hard. Don't you get it? You, you, you've been in that situation. You, you know people wanting to have kids. There's miscarriage. And then again. And then again. And then again. And then you cry out to God. God, how long? How long would I go through this? Perhaps you know what it is like to be Hannah. The, I, 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 know, I know a couple of friends of mine, they had three miscarriages. And I remember the fourth time they were pregnant, my friend's wife, she was so scared to go through that again. But God, by his providence, blessed them with the son. He's good. But she knows what it's like I mean, you, you, you know that perhaps. You know people in your life. It, it, it may be not like that. It might, it might be something that you lost your job due to COVID or might be broken marriage or financial struggle. Whatever that is, you know what it is like to be forgotten, rejected, and defeated, hopeless, helpless. What comes out of your mouth then? How long, Lord? I feel forgotten here. And that, that, that's what David is feeling. See, see the point is, in, in, moment, in moments of desperation, we all respond differently when we are hit with pain or suffering. Is it not true? We all respond differently when we are faced with depression or suffering or pain. You, you see, in a Western culture, when suffering or pain comes your way, Here's some of the things you say. Well, I must have done something wrong. This is the end of my story. That, that's why perhaps I am being punished. This is the end of my story, you would say. This is a Western understanding. Now, on the other hand, the non-Western is like it is part of life. You experience that thing in order to know God and draw near to Him. And we complain and we whine and perhaps ask questions. But it's okay to come to God with all of these questions. Therefore, you can come to God with all the feelings, all of the questions, all of the complaints, all that you're experiencing. Because he knows that. In verse 1b, we see David feels that God has hidden his face. Gerald Wilson, one of the commentators in the book of Psalms, write this. The experience of God's absence has inward emotional effects on David. His sense of abandonment leads to inward wrestling with thoughts. I take counsel within myself and daily sorrow in his heart. Furthermore, he writes this. He said, Christ too experienced abandonment by God. His suffering was particularly severe on the cross. Jesus expressed his greatest pain 
in the words that we read in Psalm 22. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? The absence of God's presence is felt both by David and Jesus. And perhaps you and I have experienced that or are experiencing it now or may experience it in the future. That is, ladies and gentlemen, part of being a Christian, part of being a human. You will experience that. How do you respond is a different story. You know your Bible. You know what to do with that. You know where to go with that. And what we see here, David cries out because he has this intimate relationship with God. Therefore, he's becoming honest with God. God, how long? Come on. I, I feel all of this. He's like, you're not even looking at me. So in these first two verses, David's condition is being described. So we see David's condition. Next, we see David's cry. Verses 3 and 4. Look at me here. It says, look on me and answer, Lord, my God. Give light to my eyes or I will sleep in death. And my enemy will say, I have overcome him. And my foes will rejoice when I fall. David is feeling abandoned, rejected. What does he do? He, he cries out to God. God, come on. You got to do something. Listen to me. Remember, I, I, I follow you. I love you. We, we have this relationship. I, I feel like you have hidden your face from me. Give light to my eyes or I'll, I'll sleep in death. Like, in other words, this is a life matter of death and life. Do something, God. I, I, I feel like you're not doing anything. You've taken the back seat. In his anguish, in his pain, he asks these words to him. He's like, my enemy will say, I have overcome him, and my foes will rejoice when I fall. It, 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 it is like God. Future doesn't look bright at this point. Therefore, do something. Charles Spurgeon, many of you probably know, in a sermon on these verses write this. He's like, when it is dark, very dark, we get drowsy. Sorrow induces sleep. Remember how the Savior found the disciples sleeping for sorrow. Therefore, David asked for light. Light will help him to keep awake, and he fears to sleep. So he prays, cries out. So he prays, lighten mine eyes, lest I sleep the sleep of death. See, sometime when the struggles of this world, the challenges of this world, or the pain or the suffering, all of this hit us, we see the shortcut, which is the death. I can't handle it anymore. And it is possible to die of a broken heart because you like, it's too much to bear. Might well just end it. And more and more people are doing it whether we know it or not because the pressure of the society, the pressure of life gets to you. What do you do 
when the pressure gets to you? Am I going to run to alcohol? Am I going to run to God? Which one? That's something you should ask yourself. Where do you go when all of that happens? Because the overwhelming pressure and burden of these things sometimes often leads people literally down to that path. A couple of years ago, I was at church, and um, in the afternoon, our receptionist got a call from a couple, and the couple was in their 60s. And I spoke to the wife on the phone, and she said, we want to talk to a pastor, and um, we, we want to come and see if we can come right away. So I talked to her for a few minutes. She's like, is it okay if we come and see you because my husband uh, wanted to end his life? Friday afternoon, 3.30, they come in their 60s, Christian couple. The guy knows the Bible inside out. Weeping. He's like, the pressure is getting too much. And I don't think I can handle it anymore. Therefore, I've been contemplating with these thoughts. My wife is concerned. What do you do in those moments? What we prayed? He, he knew the Bible, as I said, inside out. He's like, I know that. But God, in his mercy, in that moment, did something in his life I don't know what, but God did that. And that guy, he's like, I want, can you connect me to the men's group? Connected him to the men's group. He started going there regularly. And he's like, is that okay if I text you for the next little while every day just to give you thumbs up, meaning I am doing up, I'm doing well. If thumbs up means I'm doing well. And whenever I'll see him at church, before the service, after the service, he will also give me thumbs up. That was simple. I got that text probably seven, eight months for the next seven or eight months. I'll see him at church. He's giving me this. How did he respond when he was feeling that? He came to God. He knew there's no other hope. Can I tell you something? The pressure of life gets to us. But if you don't have God... You are on your own. Because there's no one else who can satisfy you with all that you're experiencing, all that is going on in your life. Only the creator of life can satisfy you. He knows what is happening because he's sovereign and he's the one allowing you to go through that. And he's going to accomplish his purpose in and through you. You're like, how does that make sense to me? Because if he's doing all that for me, for my good and his glory, it doesn't make sense because I'm in pain. That's what David is experiencing. He's like, God, you're doing this, but I feel rejected. I can't see you. It seems you, you're way out there. Come, come near to me. Give, do something for me. All the more reasons to look to God and cry to Him 
in all honesty. He says, look at me, help me, light my eyes. I need you to do this. That there's something in these verses he does. He says, look on me and answer. And then he says, Lord, my God. He's personalizing. He says, remember, you're my God. You're supposed to be my, by my side. That's why I am coming to you the way I am feeling with honest heart. So come on, do something because this is a life and death matter here. There are a lot of people, perhaps in this room, or you know, who are not here, maybe if you're watching online, a lot of people are struggling with mental health due to COVID. And I don't know what else is going on. But God is on our side. You don't cry out to God, I don't know how can you receive help. Because that's what, based on the psalm, that's what we see. David's in, in, in pain and he cries out to God. He's like, come on, do something, help me. He, he, he goes to him. And what happens when he goes to him? He finds comfort in God. So David's condition, David's cry, David's comfort in God. Verses 5 and 6. But I trust in your unfailing love. Listen carefully. My heart rejoices in your salvation. I will sing the Lord's praise for he has been good to me. His circumstance, his situation has not changed. Something is changed in David's life. Circumstance still the same. He's still in anguish. He's still in pain. pain. He's still suffering. But what does he say? I trust in your unfailing love. What changed? His perspective. Why? He remembered how he was good to him. Some of you, English is your first language. English is my fourth language. And if I can figure this out, you can too. Because look at this. It says, for he has been good to me. If you know the English grammar, what tense is that? Past perfect tense. Some of you teachers here, okay, should know your tenses. Past perfect tense. He's like, he has been good to me. In other words, I have seen you do this. I have experienced all of this. You came through. You're the same God who's going to come through. In that, I take delight. In that, I rejoice because you are my God. And therefore, I am going to sing Praise to you. Circumstance is still the same. Pain is still there. But he looked back at his life. David says, I am going to trust in your love. I'm going to trust that you still love me. And he knows the history repeats. The history reminds him that God has always always proven his love and compassion for his people. Look, look, look through the, throughout the Bible. Did God not come through for his people? Always. Therefore, he says, I will sing to the Lord's praise, for he has been good to me. We, we, we sing this famous song. 
it is well with my soul. Then peace, like a river, attendeth my soul. How on earth can you sing that if your life is a mess? Only knowing God allows you to sing because you know it is well with my soul because he is with me. Therefore, I can sing, it is well with me. So pain and suffering are expected in this fallen world. Can I remind us of something? God has been good to you and I through Jesus Christ. He has been good to you and I through Jesus Christ. It is here we need to remember what Jesus did on the cross on our behalf. Jesus was sent into this world, was forsaken by God for you and I, died, nailed to the cross, took your punishment and my punishment, died. Three days later, came back to life. Why? Because he loves you and I. Does this not remind you of who he is and what he has done for us? Because that's what David remembers. And he's like, I will sing to him. For he has been good to me. How has God been good to you? Just look back. Some of you write journals. Look back a year from now. Look back even a week before. He's faithful. He was faithful yesterday. He's the same God today. He is going to get you out of that. I don't know, to be honest, what is going on in your life this very moment. You know it, and God know it. But if you can take any encouragement and comfort from this psalm, what does he remind you? It's like, my circumstance is still the same. Everything is still the same. But I do know that my Savior lives. He has been good to me. I'm going to end with this story here. A friend of mine, like a mentor to me, him and his wife been married for 38 plus years. Something early on in their marriage, something happened, his wife turned her back on God. She's like, I don't want anything to do with God or church. I'm done with this. Till today, he pleads to God for her salvation, for her to bring her back, like prodigal son's story. He prays and prays and asks others to pray. In his 70s, Nothing has changed. His wife still does not believe. She still not has surrendered her life. Yet, what does this guy do? He praises like this at church. How does he do that? He remembers this. But I 
trust in unfailing love. My heart rejoices in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord's praise for he has been good to me. He knows that he has been good to him. Let me end with this. Hebrew chapter 4 verse 16 reminds us of this. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in a time of need. Let us close our eyes. Worship team is going to lead us into a song. And let me pray for us. I want you to close your eyes. You, you know your pain and your suffering and whatever mess we all experience. I have those challenges in my life. Look back who you were. Look at where you are now. And look how God came through for you. Let's close our eyes and then we'll pray. Father, we thank you for your goodness. Thank you that we can come to you. You're good and gracious God. You never leave us nor forsake us. You're always with us. I ask that as many of us probably can relate to David this morning, and you know each person's struggle and pain, would you speak to each one of us according to our needs? Would you give us peace if that's needed? Would you remind us that you've been good to us in the past, and you're going to be good to us. Would you help us to have faith and trust in you? Would you help us to sing, regardless of our circumstance, that you are great God? Would you do this for our good and your glory? In Jesus' name, amen.